Hello, and welcome to User-Friendly Games. I'm your host, Bill Snodgrass, and this is going to be episode one of hopefully many of these extended podcasts, where we go in more depth into what we covered on the radio, and even some topics that we haven't had time to cover on the radio. So what you can expect in the future, especially as we expand into a few video podcasts, is possibly some tutorials and gaming aids for everything from tabletop to video gaming to possibly even playthroughs or quick little reviews and let's plays. Remember, if you have ideas of what you'd like to see or hear on this podcast or any of our other outlets, Contact us at userfriendlyshow.com, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. Let's see, number one user-friendly, because we are number one in tech. Or contact me at gothmoogle, that's G-O-T-H-M-O-O-G-L-E. If it doesn't say Koopa with sarcasm, it's not me, on Facebook and Twitter. On our May 10th show, I covered Adventure Games, which is what this episode is about. Now going back to where I began in adventure games was Maniac Mansion on the Nintendo Entertainment System. That's right, the original NES. A D-pad, a start, select, A and B. Buttons. So, it's quite an interesting takeoff because it also was available on PC. And I'm sure using a mouse made this game a lot easier, especially when there was speed required, such as in the dungeon, to click the brick and get to the door before it closed. But it was more than just unique for being a port that way. Of course, the graphics were a bit different. It was unique because it was the first game I can remember, especially possibly the only game on Nintendo, where... You had the choice of characters, and I'm not talking like on Final Fantasy where you got to choose which classes people were. Now these were all each unique characters that were fleshed out a bit and had their own little storylines, their own backgrounds, their own histories, and of course their own talents and skills that you had to utilize to solve the many puzzles within the game. Such characters as Bernard the Nerd who was able to fix things, or Sid and Razor, who were able to help Green Tentacle produce and record his album of new noise metal. Well, I guess it was rock at the time. It was the 80s. Which is an interesting concept on its own. It was based on a loosely off of a television show broadcast in Canada by the same name that Lucas uh, Films had a small producer part in. And this course was brought into this game, but uh, as I understand, there's very little to do between the two, this game and the Canadian television show. So what else was there on this game besides the fact that you could choose multiple characters? It had multiple endings. Now that's really something that I thought was, you know, now as I sit here and think back, it was pretty revolutionary, you know, there's not too many games in that era that had more than the win or lose condition. There was so many variables involved in this game that you could choose the endings. Such as if you forgot to fill the pool back up, everybody died in a nuclear explosion. Not the best ending. Quite literally, you lost the ending. But there's also the other two endings, and possibly more, such as 
getting the radiation suit, running in, grabbing the evil meteor, and shoving it in the trunk of an Edsel and shooting it into space. Or perhaps if you had Renard and were able to fix the radio and make a call, you'd contact the space police to come in and arrest the meteor. So, I mean, there was not that many endings compared to some games that you have these days, but let's be honest, that's quite a rarity on Nintendo Entertainment System, having all these different avenues and paths and puzzles and ways to solve those puzzles. It was also what I would consider a mature title for the era. You know, it wasn't an era of too many violent or over-the-top games. It wasn't Doom or anything that way, but... It was marketed towards the audience of the television show, you know, teens and adults. It uh, didn't have too many mature statements involved, you know, campy humor of evil genius madman violence. But, uh, you know, you could also stick a hamster in a microwave. But uh, all these things together, the multiple endings and the multiple characters, even its successor, Day of the Tentacle, which... You can get now is a company named Double Fine has begun remastering a lot of these older LucasArts games. Did not really have this multiple ending choice or the selection of multiple characters to use. Now again, you can get this on a PlayStation Store. I recently got it a couple months back as part of the PlayStation Plus membership for free. It's kind of a good benefit if you're already getting it and you can go in there and add these games to your library and they're yours you don't have to download them immediately but back to that day of the tentacle you know here's a sequel and as you can get it now you can have it choose between the old graphics pixel graphics and such or the new uh, I guess you could say it's a vectored flash kind of cartoon style that they're using to clean it up now you know, you, they went from a little bit of that campy 80s humor to a more slapstick Looney Tunes style that I think really well, works well with the game. It is a departure from what the last one was, but it is a little bit more lighthearted, especially good old uh, Will Washington, George Washington and all that kind of stuff that you get in there and the pet shows, all that. So, you know, Day of the Tentacles is a pretty good game on its own. A lot of very complicated puzzles, a lot of things like that that are, you know, just well done. So if you're looking for a game that you can get on a modern day console, go ahead and check that one out. Or check out another LucasArts game that's been remastered by Double Fine, Full Throttle. Full Throttle was one of those games that I got into when I was well out of high school and got to try and play it off of a old CD and old computer I had laying around. I don't even think I got to finish it because the computer actually just uh, crashed on me too many times, you know, bad hardware and all that, problems with the old days. So, full throttle, they've remastered it, same with the artwork, but you, uh, I got it on PS4, I believe I paid about $15 on it as part of the sale that they recently had. I suggest checking it out as well. I mean, it is a very unique game on its own. Uh, they added in a few features, such as pressing a certain button allows you to highlight um, interactables, because let's be honest, pixel hunting in these games, as it's called, can kind of get tedious if you're not into that. So, you know, that's a good one if you like bikers and big bikes and 
all that kind of stuff and rough and tough anti-heroes it's always a good one to try it's a pretty short game um you know but 15 bucks you get a good evening's work of enjoyment out of it if you're a fast player like i am um but of course there's a key thing to these games uh, a lot of these LucasArts and even ones before that that were even tougher um, back in the day is that don't be afraid to go find a walkthrough on it if you get stuck because it's going to be something that is either so out of what you were thinking it was going to be or it's going to be something very small in a room that you missed that is going to uh, completely change how it works. Um, like I said, Maniac Mansion, that had multiple endings, and if you didn't know which characters to use and how to use them, you could actually pick the wrong setup and have to get stuck into one ending or another. Now, Day of the Tentacle, you know it's the same. If you're not really paying attention, you're not going to really figure out what to do, how to do it, when to do it, that kind of problem that can be there. And Full Throttle, I got stuck at one spot. Um... Didn't realize I had to pick up a handful of fertilizer to use on the mine road. And that was just a simple thing I kind of thought I had. and Or there wasn't anything to pick up at that point because I clicked it and maybe I was too hasty or something. But, you know, I had to go back and get it. it took me two minutes out of my earth time to go back and get it. But from there on, the game was pretty simple and didn't really get too complicated after that. Um, sometimes it's just messing with things to see if it's going to work right. Now, that moves us up to modern day. Ron Gilbert and a couple others, they came together and created uh, Thimbleweed Park. Now, Ron Gilbert and I was worked on a lot of those LucasArts games that I just mentioned. So, Thimbleweed Park is really a call back to that while still being a unique game on its own with ideas and playthrough and stuff. At one stage, you're able to play as five different characters on the same screen. Um, switching back and forth between them, I mean. And if you're looking for a good couple days to play a game that is unique and it's humorous, it's dark, it's you, it truly is a interestingly written and done game. It's beautiful. It goes back to pixel art, but it's all well done and rendered. It's a beautiful game that way. The characters are unique and memorable. And the storyline itself really lends a lot to it and does well to be a point-and-click adventure game. In fact, being that Ron Gilbert is part of the crew, some of the previous games I mentioned actually are information you need to know and certain things and clues to get through certain areas. Now, you know, I played it on... There's two different ways you can play it. You can play it on Hardcore, which gives you no hints whatsoever and or you can play it on casual mode I believe it's called and just have a good game and a good storyline and enjoy the game and again this is one of those ones where I did finally get a little stuck and had to use a walkthrough on one spot just to figure out how to get through something and another thing is that they really get you well by throwing in a lot of red herrings and I think that's going to be an important factor into that too because I've watched a couple of YouTubers play and they get so wrapped up in some of these things that really are not important and they really are not part of the game. Um, so it was just quite funny to watch that kind of situation. Of course, you really 
they, they've put it out there so blatantly as what it is that you really want to chase down this rabbit hole and see where it goes because they sure seem to make it important, you know. Now, I believe I picked it up for $20 on Steam. I believe it's on Good Old Games as well. That's GOG.com if you don't like DRM. Uh, I know it's a foreign site if I recall correctly. I remember a couple of games I bought I had to pay a um, monetary, um, what do they call it? Uh, it's where they change your currency. So it was a few extra, I think it was a few extra, like 7% or something on it that for that currency exchange from my bank to them. I don't know if that's going to affect everybody. It, they may have changed it by now. But um, if you're looking for another game, now I haven't had the chance to play it myself yet. I watched a lot of playthroughs of it um, by some pretty skilled gamers, and that is Night in the Woods. Now, of course, you can tell there's a long following if you on YouTube and just type in Night in the Woods. There's fan songs and original songs and all kinds of stuff being made and lots of fan art. And I can agree with it. There is a reason for that, and that is because, from what I saw, it is a game that really works in different things. I'm not sure it's entirely point-and-click. I believe it's more of a... Uh, left and right and interacting kind of thing and there's some mini games in it and you know I noticed that a lot of people were complaining about how tough some of the mini games were and I don't think that's without fault the game as I noticed is both aesthetically pleasing and the gameplay seems routed to elicit a mood and a way to feel while playing it you know, a lot of games, they'll use just sound and maybe visuals. This this game actually put in the gameplay of how to make it just... Uh, you feel the character. Now, it's an interesting game. It's in, uh, around anthropomorphic ma animals in a small town, an old mining town. So there's a lot of different things like that. And characters are very memorable, like Bia, and just different things like that. Now... There's a lot to do in the game that uh, some of the people I watched missed. There's a lot of other things to explore and to find, and of course it's got different paths depending on where you spend your time during each chapter or day of the game. You have to split your time between multiple groups and places to accomplish certain things, and it changes how your outcome of your game is and what your interaction with various people are. Now, there's also some things in there that really touch into personalization for people that uh, may have experienced similar things. The main character has just come back home from dropping out of college for reasons, and I don't really want to spoil any of it for you. But uh, some people may really connect with her and with every other character. Not only that, that they're fun and exciting and unique, alone as it is. So I know that you pick that up on their website, Night in the Woods. Just look it up online, and we'll uh, get around to that ourselves, to playing it, I hope. But uh, they really had a good twist on that one, too. That was really what got me, was I thought it was heading in one direction, and it was going to be one kind of story, and they really twisted it around on me, and I got to appreciate that and where it went. So, this has been User-Friendly Games Podcast, Episode 1.
you have any comments, questions, ideas, activation codes, things you want me to look at, things you want me to review or give time or interest, or if you want to talk, I have a degree in anthropology and some other things and love philosophy and talking about that kind of stuff. So drop us a line. That's uh, userfriendlyshow.com. One userfriendly on Facebook and Twitter. Or again, at my personal at gothmoogle on Facebook and Twitter. And this is the end of the show. So that's it, folks. Have a good evening. We'll see you next time. User-friendly is copyright 2017. User-friendly media group, Inc. All rights reserved. Music used under license. Opinions expressed on this show are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of user-friendly media group, Inc. or this station.